Welcome, congregation of First Baptist Church. This is your interim pastor now, uh, Chris O'Gwen, soon to not be here. And uh, we're, of course, we're very glad and excited about the new fellow who's coming. And God has blessed this church, and I'm sure we'll continue to. So we're excited about that. But we're also excited this week, uh, our dear brother, our deacon chairman, Jimmy Carter, had uh, some surgery on his heart. He's doing well, and we're thankful for that now. And so a, a lot of other people, too. So let's begin the morning by just giving thanks to the Lord and praying for those who do need prayer. Lord, we come to you and we praise you and we thank you. We thank you for the blessing of the new pastor, Trent Dry, who's coming. Thank you, Lord, for his, the work of the committee, for his obedience. And Lord, we ask today your blessing upon him. We also pray, Lord, thanking you for Jimmy Carter. And so we have as a church a lot to be thankful for. We also pray, Lord, for the many sick among us and those in need with all kinds of different issues, cancer, heart issues, and so on. And Lord, you know the names, you know the needs. Bless and work where needed. We pray your grace upon it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about God's love and grace. And that's always a wonderful subject to talk about. It's an uplifting subject to us. God has loved us since the day we were created, since the day Adam was created. There was a special place, a special love that God had for mankind. And all through the Old Testament, God sought a way in everything he did to show us that love. The only way that God could truly show us his love was to take upon flesh. And show himself, show to us the love of God. And so God devised a thing called grace. Grace is God's mercy. Undeserved from, by man, it came down from heaven and it carried the love of God with it. And what good would we be without it? Forgiveness. And that's what John 1, and I'd like you to turn there, John 1, speaks of. John chapter 1, verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And by Jesus Christ, we also understand the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, uh, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So we see that in this grace brought down the love of God to earth in the form of Jesus. And here it says, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He showed us the love and mercy of God. Now, what about the law here? Well, the law showed us God's character. And the law, Paul says in Galatians, was a schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. You see, the law showed us what we weren't. It showed us what, that we were sinners. And that's why the Pharisees, although they set about to obey the law, they knew they could not obey it. Jesus said, 
If you look upon a woman to lust after, you've already committed adultery in your heart. He says sin doesn't have to be sin of outward action. Sin can be sin in the heart and mind. Well, then the law certainly shows us we're sinners, right? Have we ever told a lie? Have we ever stole as much as a penny? Have we ever looked, men looked at a woman in the wrong way? You know, and you go on and on and on. We've broken half, if not all, those laws at one time or another. So the law showed us the character of God and showed us certainly that we did not measure up to the character of God. Therefore, we needed God's love. We need forgiveness. That was half the story, the law. The other half is the coming of Jesus to bring us those things. And we understand his desire to have us, uh, to have us where he was. That God in every sense would love us. Every sense of the word would love us. Man had devised, although great religion, none of it was good enough. And even the religion built upon the Ten Commandments and Moses was not good enough. In the words of the great theologian J.I. Packer, apart from grace, our best efforts are nothing more than splendid sin. Amen? God's holy character cannot be placated by any means except the Son of God dying on the cross for us. Our efforts are utter futility. And the Scriptures call our best efforts, all our righteousnesses, are as filthy rags, before God. Isaiah 64, 6. Read it. So the best we can do, humanly, works, God says, yeah, filthy rags. So God took upon flesh himself, came to earth to show the love of God to man. And here we have in the chapter 1, and that's what we're talking about here in John 1. Jesus coming down, God coming down in the form of Jesus, sharing with the world the grace and love. So we come to this, chapter 1, we look at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We skip on down to verse 14, and it identifies who the Word that was God was. And the Word was made flesh. What was the Word? The Word was God. And God was made flesh, and God dwelt among us. And we saw all the greatness, the glory of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus revealed the Father to us. And we could not know him apart from that. And you ask people today, I was talking with a young person, and they said, Oh, Jesus was an activist. And I looked at him and I said, no, he wasn't. He wasn't an activist. Jesus is not an activist. Jesus is not a community organizer. Uh, Jesus was not a revolutionary. Jesus paid his taxes. And when he asked him about Caesar, he just said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. He was very non-political. So don't get, if you hear somebody saying things like that, because they, they didn't say revolutionary, that, that was too... So he said activist. No, Jesus wasn't a political activist. He didn't get involved in, he didn't go over when they were having a march <laughs> and join them. No, he, he stayed above that. 
because of who he was. He's Jesus. Let's look at verse 1, what it says. The same was in the beginning of, with God, verse 2. All things were made by him, Jesus, and without him was not anything made that was made. So we know that Jesus here as God, pre-existing in the creation, in him was life and life was the light of men. So we see him as deity and we see him as creator. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Look down in verse 10. He was in the world. The world was made by him, and the world knew him not. And finally, verse 14, we beheld his glory, full of grace and truth. So we see quite a few things here about Jesus. He was deity. He was creator. He is also sustainer. He also sustains the universe that he created. Now think about that for a moment. How is the universe here? He is before all things, it says in Colossians 1, 17 through 19. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. All things are held together. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the... From the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Now listen to this in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. He has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. God speaks today through his Son, and that's through the Holy Spirit. And through the Word of God that he has given. Uh, so God speaks today through the Word, through the Holy Spirit, spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir for all things. And here we have it again as Creator, by whom He also made the worlds. By also He made the worlds. So there you have it. And then verse 3 in this same chapter, this is Hebrews chapter 1, who being the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person, Upholding all things by the word of his power. That's that sustaining again. Creation and sustaining. We see that several times in the Bible. Jesus is holding the whole universe together. Upholding all things by the word of his power. In other words, his word holds it up. Well, that makes sense. How was it created? God said, let there be light. It was created by his word. How is it sustained? By his word. By the word of his power, when he by himself purged our sins, by himself, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Understand that by himself. No one helped him. You can't help him either. You can't help him save you. Only he can do that. Giver of life. In him was life, and life is the light of men. He is the giver of life. Acts 17. Paul says, Talking about God says, by whom you also move and breathe and have our being. He is the life giver. He is the life force of the universe. And then it says here, he is light. And in him was life, and life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness could not overtake it or overpower it. The darkness, the evil... 
in the universe and this world cannot overpower the Son of God, the light of the universe. He is spiritual light and understanding. You know, the best of man's philosophy, and I think uh, a revisiting of that in Acts 17 would help you, where he, he addresses the philosophers. The Greek society were some of the greatest philosophers in the history of man. And he addresses those people at Mars Hill. And Paul with the preaching of the gospel in Jesus, totally confounds the Epicureans and Stoics there. By the sheer truth and clarity of his word. You see, they had all these gods and all these idols around there, and they even had one that had the... It says, to the unknown God, in case they said, well, you know, we might have missed a God. <laughs> And Paul said, you did. And to the unknown God, it says, Him you ignorantly worship, but I preach. God who made the worlds and all things therein is not held in temples made with hands, neither can He be. And Paul preached that truth. I was looking forward this year until the COVID hit of going to Mars Hill. My dream was to take the Bible to Mars Hill and preach Acts 17. But you know what? That was not to be. <laughs> God had other plans. We did not go to Italy and we did not go to Greece. So, that's in the plan of God. But I was going there and I was looking forward to it. My wife said, well, there's a lot of steps. and You have bad knees. I said, I don't care. I'm going to make it. I'm going to, I'm going to do that if it hairlifts everybody on Bear Creek. So, uh, you know, we were going to do that, but didn't get to do it. But he is the light. He is the light of the world. Now, this light is a light with the purpose of revealing something. The light illuminates the truth of God, illuminates the truth of Jesus and who he is and what he did. And this is the light, the fire that burns still in the world today through by means of the Holy Spirit. Don't worry. People look at the condition of the world and they said, oh, woe is me. Don't look at that. Jesus, the light of the world, still shines as brightly as ever. It doesn't matter how dark the world grows. As a matter of fact, the darker it grows, the brighter he shines. Just remember that. A, a bright light shines no greater than in darkness. That's when you see it more clearly. And I believe as the world and our society pushes towards sin, I think the light of Jesus will shine ever more brightly in our world. And I believe that completely. Now, Jesus, when he was on earth, and even today, you say, well, you know, it's a pretty bad world today. They reject Jesus. Well, my friend, they rejected Jesus in the day. First century, they rejected us, rejected Jesus. Look at Isaiah 53. Now, you say, how can Isaiah in the Old Testament speak of Jesus? Well, there were 333 distinct prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. You see, before Jesus came, the Bible tells us where he would be born, how he would live, how he would die, 
Detail after detail after detail of his life is foretold. 333 prophecies of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And the odds of anyone fulfilling them are infinitesimal. But he did. He fulfilled every prophecy written in the Old Testament. They were even confused with some of the prophecies because, one of, for example, the prophecy about his birth said he'll be born in Bethlehem, called a Nazarene, and called out of Egypt. Which led some of the Old Testament scholars to say there are going to be three messiahs. One from Egypt, one from Nazareth, and one from Bethlehem. But behold, what happened? Jesus was born in Bethlehem, fled to Egypt, called out of Egypt, lived in Nazareth, and called a Nazarene. How about that? He fulfilled all three of the prophecies. So here we have the prophecies about his rejection in Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. We despised, he was despised, but we esteemed him not. We didn't recognize him. We didn't acclaim him as the Son of God. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, our sins. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've sinned. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. Amen. When Jesus was alive and on the earth, he told the Pharisees, he says, you, you think you know the Scriptures? Read the Old Testament Scriptures because they speak of me. He was telling them, if you want to, you know, you don't believe me, you know, I'm the, read, the, read the Old Testament. It speaks of me. And so Jesus was saying that there are prophecies that speak of him. He was rejected, folks. The blessed Lord Jesus, the wonderful Lord Jesus, think of the rejection. He was rejected. He went to Nazareth. He was rejected. He presented himself to his nation. He was rejected. He chose 12 men. They all forsook him and one betrayed him. He was rejected. He was put to death. For the sins of the nation. He came into his own, verse 11, and his own received him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. Furthermore, the Romans, the world, he was in the world, and the world was made by him. That old, uh, he made the world, that old tree grew up that was cut into an old rugged cross, old rough hewn wood that he would be laid upon and crucified. He made that tree, that wood. He made it. He was in the world. The world was made by him, but the world 
knew him not. Society in general knew him not. It's still going on today, folks. There are many out, out there walking in a world, working in a world, enjoying a world that he made. Beautiful lakes and streams and rivers and mountains he made. But they know him not. Isn't that a shame? Isn't that a shame that we can look up? We, we so gloriously have seen the, the comet lately and the planets are so beautiful. They're so close by and we can see those large lights up in the sky and what that beautiful universe and sky, the beautiful earth that he created, but we don't know it. What a shame. What a shame. I think one of the things that led me to faith in Christ is I did a lot of thinking in my senior year about God and about is God real? Does God exist? And one conclusion came to me one day that I could not escape. And with the witness of Dana, Brian, and others, and I met with Dana, by the way, this week. We had a wonderful lunch. We sat down and talked about old times at First Baptist Church. And it came to me. If there is no God, how did everything get here? God is the only plausible explanation. Because you say, well, space people made us, made the universe. Well, who made them? You see, it, it's, it's the chicken and the egg. You can never get to the beginning. God, has, somewhere, had to make it. God is the only explanation. He's not an explanation. He is the explanation. And I think I came to that conclusion right before receiving Christ. And I think that's part of what the world did. But he came into the world. The world rejected him. What kind of world did Jesus live in? You say, well, it was a better day. No. The day that Jesus came, the time that Jesus came to, was even worse than the time we're living in. I know. You got COVID. Well, we don't have leprosy. They had leprosy. They had all kinds of pestilences and diseases. And they had droughts. And people starved to death. And it was just a horrible time. The world was not making progress except in the Roman Empire. But the world was declining, eroding, and disintegrating. 60%, listen, we think of, we're talking about slavery here. 60% of the worlds in the Western world at that time were slaves. 60% of the world were slaves. More, in other words, you were more likely to be born a slave than a free man. That's horrible when you think about it. In other words, 60% of the world's people were treated no more than, than just a piece of furniture. And women in the Greek, Romans, just that, a piece of furniture. It wasn't until the coming of Jesus Christ and the gospel that freed man from his precepts that men began to think of each other as equals. And as Paul said, we are all one in Christ Jesus. There's no male or female, bond or free. We're all one and equal in Christ. That's where the idea of equality came from, folks. Christianity has not People say Christianity has, held, Christianity has held people back. Christianity is what propelled the Western world forward. 
I mean, only in the Bible does it lecture masters not to mistreat anyone in their care. I mean, I mean, start thinking about it. But rampant, leprosy is rampant. Pestilence, disease. There was tremendous demonic possession. Poverty. And worse, spiritual poverty and hopelessness in the world. A world of apathy and despair, especially for Israel. And by the way, that's the kind of world some politicians are pushing us to today. That same kind of world. A world without Jesus. And if you want to know what a world without Jesus, a society without Jesus, you just read the Gospels. And ask yourself, is that the kind of world I want? Not the kind of world I want. It'll be utter disaster is what heads for a society without Christ. What does the world need today? It needs Jesus. I don't know how familiar you all are with pop music. But in the 1970s, there was a group, there were two guys, England Dan and John Ford Coley. Maybe some of you remember them. I don't know. I do. And they had one of my favorite songs, Love is the Answer, Right? And it's one of the lines that light of the world shine on me. Love is the answer. And I don't know what it was about that song in particular, but every time I heard the song, I thought of Jesus. I thought of Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. And when he shines on us, he's the answer. And his love for us is the answer. So every time I heard that song, I said, I think, Jesus, I'd say, Jesus, light of the world, shine on me. He is the answer. Yeah, I just wanted to sing it like that. Um, and he has shine on us. And something very interesting, I did some research on that song just a few years ago and found out that John Ford Coley, one of the writers and singers of that song, had moved to Tennessee and several years ago accepted Christ as his personal Savior. And I said, well, he really did have the light of the world shine on him. How about that? That's, a, that's an interesting thing to that story. But of course the world needs love. It needs love, not just love, not just, I, I love you, brother, no matter what, if you're an atheist. And, and we do love, we love, look, we love people unconditionally. But I'm not going to gravitate with them and hang out with them just if they're atheists, okay? Uh, the world needs love based on Jesus, they need to understand the love of God for us in, in Christ Jesus. And we need to show them. What the, and, of course, we, there are other songs. And I, I like the one, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Yes, we do. We need love and understanding. You know, I look at this world where people are trying to kill one another and hate one another. Yeah, we need to love one another. And listen, that should not keep you from loving anybody, no matter who they are. I see somebody out, and I love them, no matter what their circumstance or situation. But we really need the divine love of God. If people feel that and experience that through the gospel, through us, what can they do? The gospel bathed in love brings the love of God down to man. Through grace, God's mercy. The world, if it knew Jesus, would know his love. I believe if people knew the love of God, they wouldn't be protesting in the street. 
I, I believe if people love God, they wouldn't hate people because of their color, black or white. I think uh, if people love Jesus, they wouldn't hate at all. And does the world need that? Oh, my friend. Of course the world needs that. And I just want to challenge you this. Friend, if ever there was a time for the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is it. Now is the time for us to become mighty for God and His Son, His gospel, and His word. Now is the time for us to stand like the great martyrs of the faith and the great prophets of the Old Testament stood for God. Hey, we have the answer. Light of the world, shine on us. Love is the answer. Love of Jesus is the answer. Yes, it is. Let's do that. Let's take that stand, folks. Show that love to people. Love them to Jesus. And tell them. Don't just love them. Tell them about Jesus and how much he loves them. You see, it's not enough for us just to show the love. We've got to share the love. So they understand that Jesus is the source of why we love. And share that with people. Why? It's so important. So important. Look at uh, John chapter 1. And let's look at these verses as we close. Verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So if we receive him, we become one of his children. Verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God, born again by him. As many as received him, not rejected him, but received. The opposite of rejection is to receive. To receive Christ. That's probably the best way we can say to receive Christ into our heart, into our mind, into our, our very being. To believe, trust on Him as our Lord and Savior. As the one who came from glory. As the one who died on the cross for us. Rose again from the dead. He is the Lord Jesus. And if we believe and trust on Him for our eternal salvation... We will be saved. And then we will have the love of God in our hearts, and we can certainly share that with everyone in the world. And that's what we're all about. Amen? Sharing the love of Jesus Christ through the gospel. We pray, thank you, Lord, for this time together. What a great time it's been in Jesus. We thank you. Amen.